There are definitely quite a few verses in Scripture, especially if the, for those of you that have a hard time memorizing verses. There are a select few verses in Scripture that are worth memorizing, to say it that way, that need to be memorized. If you love me, keep my commandments is absolutely one of them. I can't tell you how many times I go back to that basic verse, counseling session after counseling session, uh, whatever it may be, a, a, a saint needs advice, a saint needs to know how to counsel their child, right? Well, does a child say they love Jesus? Yes, I, I, I believe they do. Well, well, we'll go to John 14, 6. Or go to John 14, period. Right? Um, anyways, that, that, was, that was in my mind when Mario was reading that text. It's such an important, quote-unquote, life verse, so to speak. Uh, if you have a copy of God's Word, please turn with me to Paul's letter to Philemon. Paul's letter to Philemon. This Lord's Day, I I think we're in for a treat, to be honest with you, because we're going to be looking at uh, this letter to Philemon in both the AM and PM service. And I think this letter is is such a a, a gem to the church. It's a very undervalued letter in a lot of ways. Um, Underrated, so to speak. And I, I just think this letter is so important for us when it comes to Christian living, and when it comes to really showing forth the love of Christ. So I want to go ahead and begin this Lord's Day by reading the entire letter. Reading the entire letter to Philemon. And we'll go ahead and begin at verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Apphia, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, Yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, the aged and now a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who was once unprofitable to you, but is now profitable to you and to me. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is, my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be done by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, 
that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. But, meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Congregation, let's go ahead and pray one more time and ask the Lord's blessing on his word. Our gracious God, full of mercy, truth, and love, we come before you seeking your blessing one more time on your word. May your spirit work mightily in this place. We trust that your word will never return void. We know you have a plan every single time your word is preached for all those hearing it. We pray, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear. We pray, Lord, that you would remove the many distractions that we may have around us or in our minds or even just, even just in this room, whatever it may be. We pray that you would draw our attention to you, that we would focus on your word, that we may hear Christ speak, that we may grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord, and that this may be done so to your glory and for our good. We just give you thanks once again, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, congregation, the, the text at hand this morning will be Philemon verses 4 through 7. We're going to look at verses 4 through 7, and then in the afternoon we'll look at verses 10 through 13. You know, after uh, considering this text, I was reminded, oddly, of family camp. And I think that's probably the last time I've I've seen many of you uh, at family camp. And I... I know that's an interesting thought to come up from this text in Scripture, and I, and I hope it's going to make sense here shortly. Um, but one of the many benefits I, I think about when I, when I think on family camp and, and prepare for going to family camp and things of that sort is worshiping with saints from sister churches, other churches. It's an absolute blessing to be able to be with God's people, uh, from from all over different churches in our association, very similar to a quarterly gathering, but it's quite a bit longer. Obviously, it's a whole weekend. It's always good worshiping with them. Um, but another benefit that I, I sometimes think I take it for granted, but it's a very important benefit that that the Lord provides 
uh, through this means is being able to talk to other brothers and sisters in our association on a one-on-one personal level and hear about what God is doing in their lives and in the lives of their church. It's not often we get to hear about what's happening in Bakersfield or what's happening in Oceanside. Um, these, these times that were brought together are very fruitful for that reason. One brother talked about how the Lord had recently blessed him with an abundance of work. He came up to me, Pastor, I haven't seen you in six months. Here's everything the Lord is doing and just unloaded all of God's blessings in his life the last six months on my plate. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, that's so amazing. Praise the Lord that he's doing that. And that gives, gives us things to pray for. That gives us things to continue to encourage that brother and his family regarding. There are a lot of blessings that come from that. Or sometimes you see a brother that you haven't talked to for many, many years or a sister you haven't talked to for many, many years and you see them again and they have a wife or a husband and children. Like, what happened? Ten years, what, all this time, look what God has done. And that's very encouraging for us. And then, like I mentioned, the I think the gem of family camp would be something like worshiping um, on the Lord's Day with other churches, outdoors, hearing the sermon, open air, um, and just seeing the growth of the Lord Jesus Christ and his people in our association. In all these things, saints, we rejoice. We rejoice when we hear what God is doing in the person's life and through their life. We, we rejoice. We ought to at least. We too are like the psalmist who writes, For you, O Lord, have made me glad by what you have done. Therefore, the psalmist says, I will sing for joy at the works of your hands. The, the, the psalmist hears of what God is doing and his response is worship, is doxology. Indeed, saints, it is a treat to hear how Jehovah is blessing my congregation, your congregation, our local association, all those things. And it's good to hear of God's blessings. This morning, as we consider this text of Scripture, verses 4 through 7, this is precisely what we have the Apostle Paul doing with regards to Philemon. He hears of the work of the Lord in the life of Philemon, and it's an absolute blessing to him. He hears of how God is working in Philemon's life. He's constantly considering God's blessings in the life of Philemon. And not only just in the life of Philemon, but also through the life of Philemon. How Philemon is blessing others. And he hears of Philemon's love and faith. And what does he do? He shows forth great thankfulness unto the Lord. Precisely what we ought to do. And how does he do that? Well, he starts with prayer, as Paul typically does with almost all of his epistles. Why would he do this? Well, of course, prayer is the chief means by which we give God thanks. So Paul hears of the work of Philemon and gives him thanks by way of prayer. So this morning, I'd like for us to consider these few verses, verses 4 through 7, under the sermon titled, Thank God for Philemon. And there's two main points and then some subpoints within these two points. Uh, 
parts of the outline. The first is the, uh, the consideration of the work of the Lord in the life of Philemon. And then the second point is the work of the Lord through the life of Philemon. May God bless the preaching of His Word. The work of the Lord worthy of thanks and praise in the life of Philemon, according to the Apostle Paul, is the faith and love found in Philemon. Notice verse 4. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith. The love and faith of Philemon is something worthy of praise and adoration unto Jehovah. It is his love and faith that is a great encouragement, and rightly so. Paul is encouraged by his fellow brother's love and faith in Christ, and rightly so. Such things are an indication that the Spirit of Christ is at work in his heart, and therefore... The Lord is to be praised. The faith and love of Philemon is a great indicator that God is working in his life. And if God is working in his life, God is to be praised. He is one who has great faith, Philemon is. It is faith that we consider the beginning of salvation. It starts by believing. And the foundation of true faith is indeed what congregation it's love that's the foundation of his faith this true saving faith was evident in the life of Philemon according to the apostles opening prayer in this letter such evidences of this true faith and true love in his fellow minister come by way of first and foremost his faith and love in Christ for Christ rather And then secondly, his love for God's people. So these things are demonstrated by what Philemon says about Jesus and how he loves the people of Christ. Let's let's dissect that a bit. First, Philemon's love for Christ. The Scriptures read, I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus. He first hears of this love and faith his brother has towards his master. If this entire letter, congregation, is a beautiful house, this verse is the concrete slab that has to be laid down for the foundation of this house. In other words, without faith in Christ and his love for his people, what is this letter even doing in the Bible? Every piece of advice, every exhortation, every rebuke must be received by faith. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. This is crucial. We have to understand this, congregation, especially on the blessed Sabbath. Today is a day in which many call upon the name of the Lord. They seek to serve Him. They even meet together with His people for worship. And many are even excited to do so, as we should be. And what a privilege it is to serve God. But what is the goal of this service? Well, it ought to be to glorify God 
Like that should be our goal in gathering together this morning. If we come into church thinking, what am I going to get? I need a good word, right? I, 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 me, 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 right? That's, that's, that's very common in the church, especially in, in countries like America, first world countries, very common. Think of, think of the church, think of what, what, what she has to offer in a very myopic, self-centered way, but that ought not be our approach, at least first and foremost, right? Uh, it's not to say we shouldn't come to church with the expectation that we are going to be blessed. Of course, we're not saying that. It's to say that we need to come to church with the mindset, first and foremost, that we are here to glorify God, that we are here to bring glory to his name. It's not the glory of man, not the glory of a corporate entity, but the glory of God. And if this is our chief end, which it is, since this is our chief end, faith in Christ is a necessary component. Faith in Christ is a necessary component. So if our desire is to please God, we must approach this service by faith. And what does that look like here? Well, first and foremost, it looks like believing to be true that which is revealed in God's word. Listen how the apostle replies to the Jews concerning worship in the book of Acts. He says, but this I confess to you that according to the way which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets. The apostles correcting a false view of worship with the right view of worship. I'm going to go in worshiping God, believing everything he has said to be absolutely true without fail. The law and the prophets. And of course he did this. True faith consists of believing the whole word of God. And the apostle had true faith. But secondly, it's resting on the finished work of Christ. It's resting on the true faith rests on Christ and him alone for justification, for sanctification, for eternal life, for salvation. One theologian writes to consider faith as being towards our Lord Jesus, which is looking towards Christ, moving towards him, laying a, laying a, a hold upon him and embracing him, a staying and leaning on him, a living upon him, a walking in him. That's what faith in Christ consists of, according to, I think that's probably John Gill, according to one theologian. That is the faith in Christ Philemon is commended for. He was a servant of Christ that devoted himself to the ministry of the word and sacrament. Which is really another reason for the apostle to give thanks for Philemon. He's a minister. And because he's a minister, it is assumed that he ought to love God's people, which is a safe assumption. It's a very safe assumption. Again, Paul writes, I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. So it was from this love that he had in Christ the faith that he had in Christ, it was from this which flowed a love for God's people. 
Certainly this is another reason the apostle has every reason to give God thanks. He hears of Philemon's strong brotherly love as a minister. There is no doubt as a Christian and as a minister of God's word, Philemon had love for all men. We are called to, brothers and sisters. Uh, a, a strong brotherly love is not something unique to a minister. It's unique to the Christian. We, we are the only ones on this earth that are, that are going to show forth a true and genuine love towards one another. And Philemon showed that evidently in his ministry. How do we do this? How, do we dis- how, did, how, did, how, do, how does he display this virtue and how are we ought to display this virtue? Well, we love our neighbor first and foremost by prayer. He is showing forth his love for Philemon, his, his thankfulness unto the Lord by which means in this letter. Well, yes, by, by writing the letter, it says it comes from his own hand, but this is a prayer. This is opening prayer. It's the chief means by which we give God thanks. It is the silent way we are to love our neighbor in a lot of ways. Constantly praying for them. That's not the only way. Unfortunately, we, we sometimes think that's all we can do is just pray. We just, we just can pray for them. Well, that's not the only way. Scripture doesn't confine our love to just one means. We are to also speak the truth in love. What does it look like to love our neighbor? Well, it may look like having hard conversations with them concerning their soul, concerning their lawlessness. But it has to consist on our part through the lens of love, speaking the truth in love. And really, we love our neighbor, and Philemon loves his his congregation and those around him by showing forth a godly witness. By showing forth a godly witness. Yet these are all general ways in which we show one another love. Yet here the apostle is not commending Philemon for just a general love shown to all men without qualification. He is specific here. He is referencing a love that Philemon has for the family of God. And this isn't to be understood as a different love altogether. But one may say it's a greater demonstration of the love bestowed upon him in Christ. And this is the case because there is a deeper love on display between brothers and sisters in the Lord. There is a deeper love that a minister has for his congregation. There is a deeper love that you guys have for each other. This is a love that is sealed by the Holy Spirit, cultivated by the Holy Spirit, and it is a love bestowed upon us by the Holy Spirit. This is the love of God known solely by the elect of God, as it indeed is a special Love. This is the love Paul is commending Philemon regarding. The love he has toward the saints. This very special love. It is a love where two sinners share in some, some pretty important things, so to speak. You see, there are things that we share with even 
the unbeliever that we love. We are both made in the image of God. That's for one, first and foremost. They are deserving of our love and care because we are both made in the image of God. Therefore, we have value, dignity, and worth on that basis alone. But naturally speaking, many of you have lost family members. So there's that family tie. There's a lot of things we may share in that regard. But the things that we share as brothers and sisters in the Lord are all supernatural. They're all spirit-driven, spirit-given, spirit-blessed things. One of them we've heard, a couple we heard already by way of John, the John 14 reading. First and foremost, we share a mutual calling by a loving Father. We share a mutual calling by a loving Father. We are all God's elect, all those in Christ. And that love that we share is one where we call the same God Father. We share in the fact that our sins are canceled on the same cross. There's a love that we have for one another on that basis alone, that my sin debt, just like your sin debt, has been canceled on the cross. Therefore, there is a particular love that we share in on that basis. Our spirit is quickened by the same spirit. We are, conv- we are convicted in the same way, congregation. Not, not with regards to the same exact things. We don't all battle that part- a particular sin in that regard. But we're all convicted of the same lawlessness. And we're all given the same grace of repentance. Therefore, our bond of peace is one and the same. This love that we share with each other is sealed with this bond of peace. There are several other things that we can, we can name here. We both share in Christ's righteousness. We both share in the fact that we have the same eternal destination, namely glory. These are truths that bring about a great love and a great relationship between brethren. And these are the very things that were strengthened and that, that continued to be strengthened between the love of Philemon as a minister and his congregation. And these are the thing Paul, things Paul commends him for. Lastly, this prayer of thanks by the Apostle Paul tells us that Philemon was a good minister to his congregation. A good minister must have a godly love for his congregation. The only way that such love can be cultivated is if the Holy Spirit is at work in the church. There is no fake love that the church is built on. God doesn't build on an artificial love apart from the Spirit of God. So the apostle hearing of Philemon's love for the brethren, brethren is an indication that his church is growing spiritually and that he truly does love his sheep. This is certainly one of the most important characteristics of a godly minister, is that he would love his congregation and that love would be evident in the life of that church. For Philemon it was, and for Paul that was something worthy of praise. And husbands, you know this. This can be said of your marriages. The love that we have for our wives ought to be evident in our households. It ought to be evident as we are with our wives in public. Period. 
Well, this was the case with Philemon. And if we are not convinced yet, let's go ahead and drive this point home by considering the second point in our outline. The work of the Lord through Philemon. It wasn't just the work of the Lord in that man and that man alone. This this epistle is not all about Philemon and how great of a minister Philemon was. This, this epistle is very much about Philemon, but that's not, the, that's not the major emphasis. There is also the work of the Lord through Philemon. The apostle opens his prayer commending Philemon for the fruits of the Spirit that were clear as day, namely his faith in Christ and his love for God's people. But this is just the beginning of his prayer of thanks. Is it not, congregation? He continues in his prayer, and for good reason. The Lord was at work in Philemon, and in his kind providence, Philemon wasn't the only recipient of God's grace. Rather, the text shows us that through Philemon, many were blessed, including the Apostle Paul. Let's start first with the writer of the letter. Let's start first with Paul. The news he hears regarding Philemon encourages him to pray. He says, I thank God. So first and foremost, Philemon's, the life of Philemon and the work of the Spirit in the life of Philemon, according to the Apostle Paul, is something that is so important, so impactful, that it causes him to pray. It causes him to go before the Lord. So Philemon and the Lord working through Philemon is an encouragement first and foremost to Paul. And that encouragement specifically is with regards to prayer. Now, the Apostle Paul was a prayer warrior, right? He, he, he didn't necessarily need a ton of encouragement to pray. His entire life, his entire ministry depended on prayer, and it's evident in his epistles. He didn't have to twist his arm to get him to pray, in other words. It's also common for the apostle to communicate that he is praying for another brother or a church or many churches when he writes the introductions to his letters. Yet this is a little different. His letter to Philemon is a tad different. He gives thanks as a result of hearing God's gracious working through another brother. It is not some general or generic prayer. It is a response to the work of the Lord in the life of another. It's the right response. It's the Spirit-led response. You know, there's a temptation, I think, for us to... And this falls within the bounds of the Tenth Commandment, I think. There's a, tempt- a temptation for us to hear of what God is doing in a, in a particular church or in the life of another and immediately look inward, right? Why isn't God doing that for me? I mean, I, I'll be honest. I've, sa- I've said that. I don't, know how, I don't know how recent, but I've said that before. Wow. God's doing that. He's blessing that family this way. Why isn't he doing that for my family? Why isn't he doing that for my church kind of stuff? 
Perhaps the temptation for the apostle upon hearing Philemon's ministry may, ha- may uh, have been something like, well, wow, God is, God is working in the life of Philemon and, and, and his ministry, ministry is thriving and I'm here in jail. Like, well, why am I in chains and he's free and preaching the gospel, whatever it may be? Or even ministers today. Well, they have a big church and a bunch of means and a lot of people and tons, tons of stuff. Why don't we have that? Right? Such temptations, congregation, must be avoided. You have to destroy those temptations that will come up. God is not obligated to bless us in any way or in a particular manner. And we must never look at the Lord's blessings through the lens of partiality. For there is no partiality in God. The proper response must be praise God. Again, we start with the impetus behind our worship, the praise and adoration of Jehovah. So when we hear of God blessing another congregation or another family or another brother, praise God. I mean, I mean, how wicked would have how wicked would it have been to hear of the brother at family camp that had all this work after a long season of of no work, having all this work, more than he can handle, how wicked of a response would it have been to say something like, oh, that's all right, I'm on a pastor's salary, I'm barely surviving. That's, that's, that's terrible. Oh, I'm not, you're getting a lot of work, I'm barely scraping by. No, that's, that's again, that's very selfish, that's very self-centered, it's very myopic. We need to think about the proper response to such things. And there's really only one. Praise the Lord. The work of the Lord through Philemon is an encouragement to Paul with regards to Philemon's growth and sanctification. I'll repeat that. The work of the Lord through Philemon is an encouragement to Paul with regards to Philemon's growth, his sanctification. So not only does Paul have every reason to give God thanks for the particular acts by way of Philemon's faith and love. But generally speaking, the news concerning Philemon is worthy of praise as it shows forth the work of the Holy Spirit in sanctification. Paul is encouraged because his brother is growing. My, my fellow minister is growing. My fellow laborer is growing. What an encouragement. What an encouragement. I'll tell you from, from firsthand experience, when I, occasionally when I do get to talk to my mentor, Pastor Markadon, and there is, and, and Pastor Markadon is, is definitely one to, to give encouragement, to give praise when it's due, and I'm very thankful for him with that regard. But when he says things like, wow, we're thankful for your growth or your church's growth, that's like gold to me. That's so important to hear. That's necessary to hear. Paul was encouraged by Philemon's sanctification. Just the mere growth of a brother and sister in Christ serves as an ample reason to sing God's praises. There doesn't really need to be a clear example on display here. When a brother comes up to us and says, Brother, sister, I'm growing in the Lord lately, we have every reason to give God thanks. This reminds me of a recent messengers meeting 
Um, our association has messengers meetings. Your pastor goes to them. I often do as well. But we had one of the meetings where uh, the pastor from Mountain Reform Baptist Church up in Crestline was present. And I, I love that brother. His name is Mike Johnson. I'm sure many of you met him, many of you know him. Very dear, dear saint. Um, and I, this, this particular meeting, he had the best news of the meeting, and that was that his church is growing. We're spiritually growing. We're doing okay. Well, that's huge. That's huge news. That shows that God is still at work in that little small mountain town congregation that's, that's been hit many, many times with the attacks of the enemy over the last several years. Man, Christ is victorious, saints. Right? And, and knuckleheads and Satan are not going to overcome his church. So we're very thankful that God is still at work and continues to be at work. And that alone is praiseworthy. Why? Because it's a sign of life. It's a sign that God is still very much with them. And for that we give thanks. Likewise, the Lord's work in Philemon is encouraging to the apostle as it shows forth life and growth in his ministry. Lastly, the work of Philemon wasn't just a means by which the apostle can rejoice. It was also a means by which all of God's people can rejoice, including you today, now. Notice verse 7. For we have great joy and consolation in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. That's one of those encouraging things that you say to somebody that might bring them to tears, that might bring them to weeping. Me, a lowly sinner, people are encouraged by what God is doing through me. How undeserving. But it was true with the apostle. He was very encouraged, not only with regards to himself, the entire church was encouraged. As all true ministers are, Philemon was a blessing to his local congregation. The Lord used him to bless his people. What is specific here is the hearts of God's people are said to be blessed. This would be an indication that the blessings conferred are spiritual blessings. Philemon isn't just handing out a bunch of money to the people in his church. He's a faithful shepherd with regards to the word and sacrament. And faithful shepherds with regards to the word and sacrament are a blessing to God's people. His love and faith as a minister was of great value to his church. It was refreshing, as the text says. Their hearts were refreshed. There can only be one means by way, or there can only be one means by which this is even possible, and that is the Word of God. Therefore, Philemon was used by the Lord in this way. First, we, as we consider a minister of the Word, he is a, he is a man that is a blessing to God's people as a minister of the Word of God, as a mouthpiece of God to God's people. Each and every Lord's Day, as he opened up the Word of God and preached the Word of God to them, as he counseled families, new believers, using the Word of God, 
He was refreshing to his people. He was refreshing as a minister of the sacraments. He was refreshing as a minister of the sacraments in proper observance of the Lord's table, the proper observance of baptism. These things are truly a blessing to the congregation. As a shepherd who pointed them to the good shepherd, he was refreshing to his congregation as he did not point to himself as the standard, just like the Apostle Paul did not point to himself as the standard. He's always pointing them to Christ. Again, he is commended first for his faith and love in Jesus, and then to the brethren. And he was refreshing to the congregation as their brother. We, have to, we ought to remember the minister is not Superman. They're not, a, they're not of a different nature. They're just like you. They have different gifts. They're your brother. And for that reason and that reason alone is of great encouragement. So congregation, in closing, I have a couple points of contemplation. A couple points of contemplation based on our text at hand. The first is this. Are you encouraged by the work of the Lord in your life and in the life of others? And assuming you are, that's kind of a rhetorical question. If you're in Christ, there has to be a yes. It's got to be a yeah, for sure. But what is your response in light of this? When you hear the work of the Lord in the life of others in your life, what is your response? Is it praise and adoration? Are you prompted to pray and give thanks, as the psalmist did, as Paul does here with regards to Philemon? Or do you look at these said blessings with some kind of expectation? Second point of contemplation, are you, like the saints that were under the ministry of the beloved Philemon, encouraged by the word? I think I can speak for a lot of you guys, probably all of you, that your pastor is very, he's very encouraging to me, and I'm sure you are encouraged um, as he ministers to you each and every Lord's Day. But there's a question worth asking. Am I encouraged? Is the word of God refreshing as it is brought forth each and every Lord's Day. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you again, giving you thanks for your word. We thank you again, Lord, that we are able to gather together and sing your praises, hear your word, and grow in grace. May it be a blessing to our souls. Convict us where we fall short. Grant us repentance as needed. And continue to enable us by your spirit to walk in the good works that you have prepared beforehand. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.